10 takeaways. Oh, ooh, new format today. New format. I finally figured out the right format for this show. It's been three years we've been doing the show, and it just occurred to me today what the right format is. We're going to give all the top 10 takeaways up front. I was like, oh, there's more than 10 takeaways. Why don't you call it top 25 takeaways? Why don't you call it top 36 takeaways? You can't keep it to 10. That's true. I can't. But what I can do is give you the top 10 up front, right? And then we can just go in and talk about whatever we want. So everyone's satisfied. You get your, your 10 takes and, and, and the show's title is accurate, because I know that's the biggest complaint. In the, in, 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 let, leave a comment in the YouTube comments. L leave a comment. Tell me your biggest complaint about this show. Because so far it has been, well, there's just too many takes. It's too long. 45 minutes, so long. I expected the show to be 20 minutes. It's 45 minutes. You, 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 okay, less? Oh, you want, you want less? Okay, okay. All right, I guess. There's, there's, there's 20 minute shows out there. We're not a 20 minute show. I can't do a 20 minute show. But I can give you... Top 10 takes, and then we can dive into these games. We can just talk about all, all of the, the takeaways from the individual games, and then it, it was, the list will get long out to like 38 total takes. But I have 38 takes. There were some great games. There were some uh, totally abysmal games, which we're going to get into. We're going to, I almost, see, I almost did it. I almost, I see, I, I have, they're right, they're right, they're here, the tip of my tongue, right? They're right there. There's so many. I just can't. I'm not going to. I have the top 10 takes to start the show. That's how we're going to do it. Again, let me know in the chat whether you think this is a good format, bad format. Okay. This is what we're going to, you know, let, let me know. Let me know. People are asking in the chat. Okay. I listened to the chat. In the live chat, people are saying we need more props. Okay. You want more props? You think? You, you want a new prop? How about a prop no one's ever seen? How about a brand new prop for today? Thank you to JB. JB in the live chat on YouTube. He is asking for props. He's going to get props. How's that? All right. Dragon head? How about a dragon head? Huh? How about that? Huh? How about, or, or a gator? Alligator? Dragon? Something? Right? It's something. I don't know what exactly this is, but it's fun. It's a fun headdress that I'm wearing for the rest of the show. And JB says that's what I'm talking about. And to all of you out there that think that I don't engage with the chat, that I'm not here to be collaborative, that I don't care about your fantasy teams. Well, I, I don't care about your fantasy teams. That is true. But I'm absolutely here to engage with the chat and be collaborative if the chat's going to be helpful. If the chat comes in and says, hey, I got three players, pick two. Go fuck yourself, okay? If you say, we need more props, can you wear some sort of headdress today? Then the answer is, well, absolutely, and yes, 100%, and let me exceed all your expectations with a giant dragon head that you would have never imagined I could just grab, it, it put on in two seconds, which I just did. This is one of my great skills. I'm the best in the business. I'm the best in the business on a lot of things. One of those things happens to be props that I wear on my head. That is absolutely one of the one of the one of the things that I'm the greatest at. In fact, on all of YouTube, I think it'd be difficult to find anyone that can just boom pull out a noisemaker. Right? How could can you or put something on your head or or wear funny sunglasses? Right? I mean, it's very tough. 
make noises. Uh, uh, cast a magic spell, right? Uh, Oculuso conundrum, right? And that was a magic wand from Harry Potter, and the tip was lit. The tip, you noticed the tip was lit. The tip was lit, okay? And I have a dragon head. Wow, this is where suddenly, had no idea. All I was thinking today was we need to start the show, be efficient, have an efficient start to the show, lay out the top 10 takeaways quickly within the first two minutes of the show, get in, and then you can indulge, right? Get in, give the people what they want, the top 10 takeaways, and align with the title of the show. Do not betray the title of the show. Be efficient, and then you can go in and do whatever you want and indulge. And instead, what we've done is a bunch of magic tricks and a bunch of uh, headdresses that no one that's listening to the audio version of the show even understands, or and, and it's just a complete waste of their time. So we are five minutes in, and all I've done is waste everybody's time. That's what we understand. That this is also part of what this show is all about. You could Ross, our producer, is in the chat. You can ask Ross. My goal for the show. I talked to Ross before the show. This is going to be the most. I should Ross. This is going to be the most efficient show we've ever done. We've got the format dialed in finally after three years. We're going to go rat-a-tat-tat. We're going to give the people rapid fire to start the show. Imagine rapid fire to start a show. That's never been, We're innovating. This is, this is going to be a bastion of efficiency. We're going to use this show to show other hosts how they could have super efficient shows, how to kick off a show, how to start a show, and then how to you know, plan out the structure of a show and tease all of the different uh, future takeaways and games we're going to cover, how we're going to dig into the details. We're going to give the headlines first. We're going to start with the headlines. And we're going to dig in later. This is going to be classic you know, maximum engagement programming for the Player Profiler YouTube channel. We're also on Facebook Live. We're also on Twitch. We're no longer on Twitter. Elon is paying us 30 cents a month. Bye, Elon. I posted the link, though. Those of you on Twitter did find the link to the show. So we're now well over five minutes in and nothing, no takeaways, no football positions, nothing about fantasy football, nothing. That's what we've got. This is perfect. Like this, this is perfect. And Bortle on, hey, wait, we have two people on Twitch. I just, we have two back-to-back -back comments from Sanguista and now Bortle on, both on Twitch. Oh my, dude. We just doubled our Twitch listenership from one to two. This is incredible news. Hey, everybody on Twitch. If you're on Twitch, please get in the chat. Let us know. I'd love to know. If we grow at 100% rate on Twitch, that's something That's something I can tout to my team here. Hey, guys, this is how you do it. You fake like you're going to have an efficient show. You pretend to structure everything. You have it all planned out with your producer. And then you go grab a dragon hat and you make a bunch of squeaky noises, and you waste everybody's time. That, that, that is how you have success on Twitch, everybody. That's the way to go. That's how you do it. I'm going to have a whole meeting about it. I'm going to put a meeting in the calendar with three reminders for everybody. This is how you do it. This is how you do a show. Now we're actually going to do it. We are going to get, this is it. The top 10 takeaways, you've, you've, you've sat through all of that. Your reward is takeaway number 10, never forget that Alvin Kamara and Rashad White had 7th round ADPs. I went back and looked up at the FFPC, which is a, a running back premium site. 
right? NFFC, underdog especially, these are wide receiver-centric platforms. FFPC, more balanced, running backs go earlier. Alvin Kamara, seventh round. Rashad White was going even earlier, actually. But again, it it points throughout August, mid-August, seventh round. You could get Rashad White, end of August, Alvin Kamara, and zero RB has been vindicated beyond a shadow of a doubt. If two of the top running backs in week 13 and for the rest of the year were seventh-round picks, bow down to zero RB. Even Zach Charbonnet, the last handcuff we cared a dick about because he's not very good, and now he's still doing what he's, he's doing what Zach Charbonnet does, which is the bare minimum. But if you give a running back workhorse touches and he gives you the bare minimum efficiency, it's going to be 15 to 20 fantasy points every week. Takeaway number nine, Nico Collins is going to win fantasy gamers millions of dollars. Millions. Millions. I almost said billions. Millions. Imagine me saying billions, but millions. Millions of dollars. And partly it's uh, his skill and the part of the equation that leads to all those fantasy points that is Nico Collins' skill set, is about 5%. The rest of it is C.J. Stroud and all the injuries around him. Takeaway number eight, the Saints need to give the team to Jameis Winston for the rest of the season, put Derek Carr on season-ending IR, and let the team finish in YOLO mode with Jameis Winston. Takeaway number seven, Chuba Hubbard was the greatest dynasty throw-in at the running back position this season. We insist that you do it all season. Whatever trade you're doing, just make sure you're getting Chuba Hubbard in return as a throw-in. People, He doesn't have a lot of value to anybody, and yet so much hidden value there with Chuba Hubbard. And Reddit can eat it. Reddit criticized me that he's one of the top handcuffs. He's like, I love your list. Jerome Ford makes sense. Everything makes sense except Chuba Hubbard. Reddit is all kinds of wrong because that was the best handcuff on the list. Reddit. Debo Samuel and Brock Purdy have huge penises. That's takeaway number six. Should be higher, really, but uh, that's it because the other takeaways are so good, right? Takeaway number five, Sam Laporta is the dynasty tight end one by the widest margin of all time. So we are going to be living in a world at the end of the season where Sam Laporta has close to double the dynasty value of any other tight end. That's the world we're having. Dalton Kincaid's not going to let that happen, right? Dalton Kincaid's like, hold my beer but there is because of Dalton Kincaid Dalton Kincaid is all that stands in the way of Sam Laporta being the tight end one in dynasty by the widest margin of all time takeaway number four what you saw in week 13 is how a healthy Bijan Robinson can be a bust you saw it that's why we said just focus on wide receivers I'm on Ross St. Brown I'm on Ross St. Brown Stephon Diggs, Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown, A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb, C.D. Lamb. Those were the players that B. John Robinson was going before, and we disagreed. Said, no, 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 no. Billy Muzio, look at Billy Muzio's mentions. Where he said he wouldn't be drafting B. John Robinson in the first round. He doesn't understand it. Maybe to get a little exposure, maybe maybe the bare minimum, just to make sure he doesn't have no B. John. But as long as he's already secured bare minimum exposure because Bijan certainly has the potential to beat you. We we all admitted that, but 
when we're running our projections, we just can't justify him in the first round other than like the bare minimum exposure. And the reason why is he's a rookie running back on a bad offense. What are you trying to prove? Takeaway number three, Michael Pittman. That's it. I just want to say Michael Pittman, Michael Pittman, Michael Pittman, Michael Pittman. As a joke on the Sonic Truth podcast, the last show that I recorded, it went live on Saturday. I was up Friday night editing the show. My wife asked me, she's like, uh, what happened to that bottle of wine we had open at dinner? She was like, there were like two more glasses left in there. And I said, oh, uh, I had to edit a Sonic Truth podcast last night. She's like, oh, that's where the wine went. Because she knows what happens. I start drinking the wine and you go to the Sonic Truth podcast. You're going to be treated to like seven sound effects, right? The, the production value. I punched in three or four different songs that I found that we referenced a bunch of music and I, I punched in a bunch of songs. So I'm, I'm dropping songs. I'm dropping sound effects, the whole thing. And you're like, wow, this show it has such an incredibly high production value. It's such a fun, silly show. There's toilet sound effects and fart sound. It's all these things. This is this is classic. And why was that? Well, you now know that the pod father had an open bottle of wine in his office, and that's what happens. That's what happens. And during that Sonic Truth show, I said as a joke, Michael Pittman giving you 16 targets a game. <laughs> that was just the number the joke number that I came up with. And then sure enough, you look up Michael Pittman. No, no, actually it is 16 targets, 16 targets. So I was proven right this past week. So many times. Now there's a couple things that went badly for me. And we'll talk about a couple positions I took on the week 13 slate that did not come to fruition, but the vast majority, when you go down the board, you're like, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow, podfather, 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 podfather. And the Michael Pittman 16 targets was the best podfather outcome you could ever imagine because I called the exact number on the Sonic Truth show, and he's been my number one trade target all year. Takeaway number two, and this is, you have to watch the games, but takeaway number two, as a Patriots fan, my daughter and I, very happy with the loss, we did, We said, how is it possible that you can lose to a team who scores six points? Only Bill Belichick can figure out how to do that, and he did it. And we, we couldn't believe it. We're like, this is the most amazing outcome. Who would have thought they score six points and we still lose? This is amazing. We're securing... The best possible draft pick. This could happen. Caleb Williams, please, God, please, God. Of course, Carolina found a way to lose. So uh, they're still uh, going to seed that pick to the Bears. But again, we are waiting, hoping, praying for Caleb Williams. And that was a great outcome for us. But then also as Patriots fans, watching Russell Wilson throw a goal line interception at the that was beautiful and that was such deja vu that was like a throwback i was like oh man remember on the same week the patriots score zero points russell wilson throws a game losing deja vu interception at the goal line that was oh the apropos quality of the nfl just mm, oh just so perfect but takeaway number one takeaway number one this is something I've been sitting on for days. You need to find a way to get Jackson Smith and Jigba. 
Jackson Smith and Jigba rising up our dynasty rankings, rising, right, marching, really, marching, right? And you can see it's Jackson Smith and Jigba going this way and Drake London going this way, right? It's like, oh, man, Jackson Smith and Jigba was a better prospect than Drake London. And Drake London's rate statistics have been the best, even better than Garrett Wilson, even better than Chris Olave. His air yard share, target share combination has been unrivaled for a second-year player, you know, through two years. It's been unbelievable. And yet the production is not there. And Jackson Smith and Jigba, right, his rate statistics have not been good at all. He has not been efficient at all. He has been snake-bitten with touchdowns all year. And yet when you dig deeper, 62 yards, right, this is, I mean, all Jackson Smith and Jigba has done this year is put up 62 yards and 10 fantasy points. That's been what, that's what, super steady. You're just getting the bare minimum and the underlying efficiency and opportunity metrics have not been outstanding. So there's no one that's like pounding on a drum, like no one's saying, I've got to, you've got to go get Jackson Smith and Jigba, right? Then you look at, at the box score against the Cowboys, again, 62 yards, but what else? 11 targets. And you go back and remember that game. There was an overruled touchdown. Do the thought experiment. What if Jackson Smith and Jigba had caught that touchdown and it had been legitimate? If it stood up, no TD overruled. Eight catches, 97 yards, and a touchdown with a 27% target share. Okay, That's 24 fantasy points. That's the statement game that everyone's been waiting for from Jackson Smith and Jigba, but it didn't happen because of the referees. Well, what if it did, right? It's coming, right? We had the statement game from DK Metcalf that game, three touchdowns. DK Metcalf was languishing outside the top 24 wide receivers. We talked about it many times. Like, this, look at this. This guy is bracketed by two rookie wide receivers, right? It's Jaden Reed and DK Metcalf this year. Who saw that coming? You better get Jackson Smith and Jigba now. That's, all, that's the number one takeaway you better go get Jackson Smith and Jigba right now because all he's going to get in the future is better quarterback play and less target competition and more NFL experience. That's that's all he's going to get, right? Because remember, he didn't play college football last year. So he's been rusty to start the season and injured. He started the year with an injured wrist, having not played college football, had not had any game action. but So he's been getting acclimated to the league over the last 10-plus weeks, finally giving you a potential 20-plus point performance that actually wasn't 20-plus points in the box score. This is the perfect scenario. There's never been a more perfect scenario to go and send a godfather offer to get a particular player in Dynasty. This is it. And to start playing him more in DFS. Right, start playing him as an upside play, an upside value play in DFS in the weeks ahead. He's a smash in every format. That's my number one takeaway on Jackson Smith and Jigba. And now let's hear from Battle. Oh, I see it every day online, every single day. Hey, that looks like a great fantasy team in an eight-team league. Oh, wish I could be in a league with you, right? Well, guess what? Now you can respond with, sure, let's play on Betel. 
That's the beauty of this platform. This new battle platform standardizes all position scoring. So you just load your team and you challenge your friend, your colleague, Twitter troll, and you can browse other teams and issue challenges. Battle is revolutionizing fantasy football. And with code UNDERWORLD, you get a $100 instant deposit match plus a free $10. So even if you deposit 20, you get 50. Think about that. So go to Betel.com. The code is underworld. Betel.com. The code is underworld. Or click a link in the description. It's fun to be right. And let me be clear. I'm not saying trade Drake London. That's not that was not my point. My point is, is that in the end in Dynasty, what matters most, what drives trade value is production, not advanced metrics. Okay, that's it. Right? You could have got a steal on Brandon Ayuk after his first year. You're going to be able to get a steal on Drake London after his second year. That is going to happen. So go ahead and do that. Don't trade Drake London at a low point right now. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying Jackson Smith and Jigbo was drafted like 10 spots after Drake London. And what we talked about on draft day was that that was an incredible value given where players like Drake London were going the previous year to get Jackson Smith and Jigba at like pick 20 was an incredible value for Seattle. That was the point. The point wasn't, oh, go go dump and sell low on Drake London. Please don't do that. Please, please, do, please don't do that. God damn it. But Atlanta played the Jets and scored 13 points. And this was the danger in drafting Bijan Robinson. Bijan Robinson hit 21 touches. Hit 21 touches and 10 fantasy points. Because if you're not going to score any touchdowns, and you're going to be facing one of the, the league's best front sevens, well, this is what's going to happen. This is exactly what's going to happen. And we told you that that nice little run that Drake London had, remember, he had a, a run of like four games with 10-plus fantasy points. He was getting all the targets. They were scoring points. We said, enjoy it now and trade him in seasonal leagues. Absolutely, now is the time because it's not sustainable. Like We had people complaining about why Drake London isn't ranked higher in our rest of season rankings. And we explained it like, this is not the offense that you want anybody in. You don't want Pitts. You don't want Bijan. You don't want London. You trade them all, right? And we also talked about it at the beginning of the season. This is why I don't have any members of this Atlanta passing game. What is the upside of this Atlanta passing game, right? There was a string of games from week four to week eight where Drake London had 12 fantasy points, 15, 21, 11, 10, nice little run there. He had a nice little run as a top 30 wide receiver in fantasy, and then he's been averaging seven fantasy points a game since. It's the offense. 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 Just say no to drafting players on the worst teams, the worst offenses, captained by I mean, Desmond Ritter? Really? Oh, it might get better. They might upgrade to Taylor Heineke at some point in the season. Really? Oh, wow. Draft that guy in the first round. Enough. Enough. Go draft the guys in the best offenses. Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown. That's why you're drafting those guys in the first round, not B. John Robinson. Don't care if he's a running back. What position he is? <laughs> Bad team. Running back. What? <laughs> that was. Oh, but it's B. John. The myth. The great myth of B. John Robinson. Hopefully, again, many of you are, have finally learned 
not to fall for the mythology of these players. Hopefully. But I say that every year. Every year, I say, man, I hope this is the final lesson. We talked about it with Brock Bowers and the Sonic Truth. I thought Kyle Pitts happened, and that was the final lesson everyone needed to know. They're not going to overdraft a tight end in Dynasty rookie drafts anymore. That's not going to happen again after the Kyle Pitts experience. And then, no, Theo's saying no, and Allen's saying no. They're saying, no, no, just Brock Bowers is going to is going to declare for the NFL draft. He's going to get selected in the first round in the top 10, and we're going to do this all over again. It's it's good. It's going to just rinse, repeat. <laughs> Kenny Pickett goes out, and yet George Pickens and Deontay Johnson still got to 12 fantasy points apiece because it's the Cardinals. But the problem is with Kenny Pickett out, there's no outcome. There's no ceiling outcome, especially for Pickens. So the danger in trading Pickens away last week was that you, you were, you were going to miss out on a ceiling performance, then you could get more for him if you just let him play against the Cardinals. Unfortunately, that didn't work out, but he did maintain his value getting the 86 yards, so now you can feel free to trade him if you want to trade him now. Go ahead. James Conner with a throwback game, but this is what we're talking about, right? This is the, this is the front seven that you wanted to play James Conner against, and when James Conner has Kyler Murray, then there's the potential that they could go out to a big lead. They could get a 14-point lead. The Pittsburgh Steelers were the most fraudulent 7-4 team I've ever seen and were totally exposed at home. They were a six-point favorite. That line was a joke because they were, the, by far and away, the, the one NFL team that was walking through, you know, it was dancing around raindrops all year. The team is a joke. It's been a joke all year. And the thing is, Steelers fans know it's a joke. Like, I've said the Steelers are a joke in previous years, and they have been, year over year, the luckiest team. Oh, my God, just crazy. Negative point differential with, like, a clear winning record. It's like, oh, how is this possible? Oh, Steelers, right? This is just what they do. Lions-Saints was a good game, right? Dome on Dome. I love Dome on Dome. Love, do- love Dome on Dome. Hoping, praying that just for, for Derek Carr, for what's best for him, they're 5-7, and seven, they're not going anywhere, this is ostensibly your franchise quarterback. Give the reins to Jameis Winston. Let him do what he does. You love to see Taysom Hill leading the team and rushing, but Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara said, hey, this is the guy that's going to absolutely smash. Look at the schedule. Look at the schedule. Look at the schedule. Well, this was the best game on the schedule, and he delivered right eight targets and two touchdowns. I mean, this is how fantasy points are scored, and What's interesting is juxtaposing Alvin Kamara with Austin Eckler. Because Austin Eckler, first-round pick, Alvin Kamara, seventh-round pick, and similar age, similar skill sets, right? They're both satellite-back-plus players. But you look up, and Alvin Kamara looks like he's in his prime, and Austin Eckler is dust. Dust, dust, dust. Austin Eckler is going to be a dead zone running back next year, and he's going to be a complete stay away in fantasy football. That's where we are now with Austin Eckler. And in a game where 61 points were scored, Jameer Gibbs puts up seven fantasy points. Why? Because he's not the bell cow back. He's a rotational satellite back. Those players are very volatile. When they get the breakaway screen pass for a touchdown, they deliver. When that play does not manifest, they go under 10 fantasy points. That is the great danger 
in starting a running back who's not getting the lion's share of the carries. And David Montgomery is also a quality receiver, and you see their targets were equivalent. A.T. Perry, you might say, oh, A.T. Perry didn't deliver. The podfather said A.T. Perry was a nice little sleeper, like a fringe player you can use to, to make a roster in DFS. A.T. Perry was a very popular value play, an upside value play in DFS. And for all the right reasons, it just didn't work out. But I just want to remind everybody that most of those upside value plays in DFS, those 3.5K salary wide receivers on DraftKings, they usually don't work out. The process was right. 61 points were scored. And technically, technically, A.T. Perry was third on the team in both targets and receiving yards. It's just that they decided to run the ball 33 times and lose. Think about this. They were down 21 nothing after the first quarter, and they ran the ball close to 35 times. If you count the Derek Carr rushes, then that's what they did. But that's embarrassing. Like That's, that's a joke, right, to run the ball that many times, 35 times, 35 rush attempts, down 21 nothing. You're trying to lose at that point. You're trying to lose. So why not just put him on IR and we'll see him next year? Doesn't make any sense. That was one of the craziest pass-to-run ratios given the game situation I've ever seen. You see, this is why we do this. This is why just the 10 takeaways isn't enough because that takeaway came to me on the fly. That wasn't a planned takeaway. I'm not reading a script. The first 10 were scripted and then there's other takes that come about. So just limiting me to 10 takes a week doesn't make any sense. Then you're starving the fantasy community. You know, you're depriving everyone of amazing takes. Like what I just said about the Saints play calling and putting it in the context to understand just how bad it was. Yes, we know it was bad. How bad was it? Another game from Rashad White with four yards per carry or more. Touchdowns and targets. Touchdowns and targets. Touchdowns and targets. Rashad White and Alvin Kamara. Touchdowns and targets. Touchdowns and targets. Touchdowns and targets. Rashad White and Alvin Kamara. I mean, Rashad White is like Alvin Kamara if Alvin Kamara got a, a greater share of the carries. And that's what we're seeing. This is how good he is. And Mike Evans, at 30 years old, another 29 fantasy points. He's the guy. Right. What's interesting about finding the wide receivers that will carry your fantasy team, especially in best ball, like an underdog, but also in high stakes, typically the vast majority are going to go in the first couple rounds. Right. Even Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, even Devontae Smith. These were a lot of wide receivers in best ball going in the second round. And then that's without saying I mean, pff, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, CeeDee Lamb. It's a rare thing to find a top five wide receiver in the dead zone, in the middle rounds. But that was the great value of Mike Evans, why he is a league winner. Talking about league winning wide receivers, I would challenge anyone in the chat, in the comments, to find a wide receiver that would be 
winning more leagues than Mike Evans. And the irony here is, the irony is that Mike Evans was the great league winner from last year, even though he didn't have a good year. Right? Everything that you that Mike Evans showed last year was declining efficiency, declining overall production, that he really missed Tom Brady. Right? Last year, he only put up 15 fantasy points per game, but that was driven by the final game of the year, the final game of the fantasy season. If you recall, Mike Evans was the reason why so many people won their best ball league, right? If you were going to win a best ball championship, the path was Mike Evans in week 17 against Carolina. He put up 48.7 fantasy points. Before that game, from week 9 to week 16, Mike Evans did not have a top 30 week. 13.3 fantasy points was the best he could do for the entire second half of the season with the exception of week 17. Think about that. Just th- let that sink in for a second. Everything about Mike Evans, the opportunity, the production, the efficiency, it was all declining across the board, and he was turning 30 years old. So if you said, I'm just not into Mike Evans, right? His ADP at the FFPC closed out at pick 80. Pick 80. Eighth round. Wow. Wow. Seventh, eighth round pick, Mike Evans, right? Seven, eight turn pick at the end of the summer. Shocking. Like that's shocking that Mike Evans would fall that far, but it was Baker Mayfield and Baker Mayfield that never supported an outside wide receiver as a weekly fantasy producer. And you saw the declining efficiency metrics. I myself believed that Chris Godwin was a better option than Mike Evans, a better fit with Baker Mayfield over the middle as opposed to on the perimeter. And then sure enough, Mike Evans said, no, no. I'm going to reverse the trend. It's a rare thing that a big hulking outside alpha reverses an efficiency decline trend from one year to the next. But he did it. He did it. And bravo. It's such a rare thing to see. It's totally reasonable to expect that he would have had another year in decline in 2023, but he completely reversed it. And that was one of the most difficult outcomes to predict and if you did congratulate yourself and you have a league winner mike evans if you drafted rashad white and mike evans back to back oh oh my god oh my god oh my my word and the colts are now seven and five the colts are are good no right you can't say they're good but they're winning some impressive games. Gardner Minshew, 300 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. It's impressive, right? He even got Alec Pierce to 100 yards. Alec Pierce is the type of receiver that's always going to have one of these games in him. But the last thing you want to do is point chase anything from Alec Pierce. And DeAndre Hopkins, even, even if Garrett Wilson can't hold the, the, the Tom Savage corollary banner for more than one week, Don't worry, DeAndre Hopkins will take that over because he is the originator, right? The Tom Savage corollary is only the Tom Savage corollary because of DeAndre Hopkins. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Will Levis is having a perfectly fine rookie year, but he's setting himself up to be a disappointment because he had four touchdowns and this big breakout game was driven by some of the luckiest ball bounces we've seen all year. One of the most improbable starts to an NFL career at quarterback. And now he's just putting up a 50% completion percentage. He's taking care of the football, 12 fantasy points, no interceptions, a couple tactical scrambles, keeping his 
team in contention throughout the game, getting him into overtime. This is a rookie quarterback. Yes, they're 4-8, and eight, but Will Levis has been impressive. I mean, this is probably one of the more impressive 12-point performances we've seen, and he has acquitted himself very well, very well. He has set himself up to be the starter in Tennessee for the next two years so far this year. And we need to talk about Philadelphia. I couldn't believe the spread. It ended up being Philadelphia plus three at home. And I was like, well, this is crazy, right? This is crazy. I, Philadelphia is just as good as the 49ers. Yeah, they're, they're, you know, their linebackers aren't as good. Their secondary is not as good. But th- this front seven, you can't run on them unless it's Christian McCaffrey, apparently. And they have the quarterback advantage. It's big, big quarterback advantage. Jalen Hurts, Tom Brady with rushing ability, right? Well, Brock Purdy's just Tom Brady, Tom Brady, right? <laughs> It's just, he is, we had Tom Brady against Tom Brady, and Tom Brady won. That's what happened. And Debo Samuel, four for four for 120 yards and two touchdowns. You know, these long touchdown runs, 48-yard run. Sometimes the studs decide to pull their pants down. And when you are able to construct a roster that is as studly as what the 49ers have done, but then also fill in the gaps to ensure that there are not any major weaknesses. That's great, great work, right? I mean, think about John Lynch and what he's done. I mean, bravo to John Lynch constructing this roster. And part of it was the top equity holders taking a step back and saying, John Lynch, do what you do. We trust you. And what does he do? He creates a roster that can go to Philadelphia and win 42 to 19. And I would be remiss not to mention Kenneth Gainwell, six targets. He was much more efficient as a receiver than DeAndre Swift because I believe Kenneth Gainwell is one of the best receiving running backs in the league. And like Chuba Hubbard, has been one of the top running back throw-ins in fantasy football. If you're going to do a trade, go look at the, the roster and see if you want to throw in a running back. Is there a Roshan Johnson? Is there a Kenneth Gainwell? Is there a Chuba Hubbard? Get those guys. Get those guys. So, no, I did not see that coming. So, bravo to 49ers fans and everyone that loves Debo Samuel. I mean, if this was the game, like, oh, man, this is the one game the Christian McCaffrey might not get there. No, 22 fantasy points. Perfectly fine. <laughs> like, it's good. He only had four targets. Yeah, but he, 100 yards and a touchdown. Hello. He's always – there's – at what point do we put Christian McCaffrey – historically above LaDainian Tomlinson as the best fantasy running back ever. Is it now? Is it? I mean, we're never going to put him ahead of Bo Jackson in terms of overall talent, but he's he's yeah, 28 years old. He's older than, is he older than Austin Eckler? Right? They're the same age. And Austin Eckler is dust. Similar skill sets. Austin Eckler, less worn tread on the tire early in his career. He wasn't a starter. Austin Eckler, 28 and a half years old. So I think Austin Eckler is a year older than McCaffrey. But Christian McCaffrey, I mean, yeah, he's 27 and a half. So Eckler, exactly a year older. Is this potentially a warning sign? Because if you go to Eckler, you're like, oh, what did Eckler do last year? This is the, the you know, 2022 Austin Eckler is the equivalent of 2023 Christian McCaffrey. 
Well, last year, Eckler was the number one running back in fantasy, 22 fantasy points a game. This year, 14 fantasy points a game. That cliff year is out there for a 28-year-old running back. Is that going to be Christian McCaffrey? Is it? Is it? I don't know. We're going to find out together. The last thing you're going to get from me is predicting cliff years. That's not going to happen. Okay? That's not, not. After the Mike Evans experience, no way. Right? Not happening. But I'm very intrigued to find out what we get from Christian McCaffrey moving forward. But we're, we we're now have to have a conversation like, is he the best fantasy running back of all time? Where does he stand? It's exciting. C.J. Stroud, we talked about. C.J. Stroud is uh, the best rookie quarterback ever. What quarterbacks would you consider better than C.J. Stroud? Just another win, right? Now they're 7-5 and five too, same record as the Colts. No interceptions. Few tactical scrambles. Supporting Nico Collins, putting up close to 200 yards and a touchdown. Unbelievable. And I also love on the other side, Cortland Sutton, only two catches, but they were both long catches down the field, and he gets the touchdown. So once again, he doubles up Jerry Judy. I mean, just perfect. It was just so perfect. And then, but you got to look at Javante Williams. See, Javante Williams is young. Javante Williams is not putting up big fantasy points. So this is a great source of value in Dynasty. You have a young player. He's commanding targets out of the backfield, three for three in the passing game. And this offense will improve next year, most likely. He's dominating the carries. And he's also the preferred running back to throw to out of the backfield. And he had a phenomenal college profile, has great size-adjusted agility. There's a lot to like with Javante Williams. And I'm proud to say that with Javante Williams, with Devon A-Chain, we were higher than consensus. When at a time where it didn't feel right to have A-Chain as high as we've had him, Theo and, and, and the analytics team, Dario and Evan were like, no, no, you know, A-Chain... He's not going anywhere. As soon as he comes back, the situation he's in is too good to just diminish him or move him down arbitrarily. It's the, why would we do that? The machine learning algorithms that we've created say, though, this is where he belongs. All the humans here think this is where he belongs. Why would we move him down just because other sites are moving him down? We're not doing it. Right? And what does he do? 25 fantasy points. That's a question. Who would you rather have? This is a, for the audience. You can put it on Discord too, playerprofile.com slash chat. Or put it in the in the comments on the show. Who would you rather have? Would you rather have Devon A-Chain or would you rather have Brees Hall in Dynasty? I would still rather have Brees Hall, even though he looked terrible, right? I still, that's what I, I would. It's a conversation. Admit that it's a conversation and also admit that Tyreek Hill gave you exactly what you expected from Tyreek Hill. But at what point is anyone going to hold Jalen Waddle accountable? 10 fantasy points against Washington? This was the matchup of all matchups. This was the dream matchup for any wide receiver. And, you know, you see Hill put up 32 fantasy points and he's going to go five for eight, 50 yards. That's what Jalen Waddle's going to do. That's pathetic. At some point, we need to have a hard conversation about Jalen Waddle. And at some point, we're going to have a, a hard conversation about uh, Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, like, oh, when is C.J. Stroud going to move ahead of Patrick Mahomes? Now. How about now? How about now? And, again, the beauty of what we're seeing is Pacheco and Rashi Rice putting up 14 and 21 fantasy points. 21 for Pacheco, 14 for Rashi Rice. Rashi Rice was the target leader, and Pacheco gives you 
the 100 yards and a touchdown. This is why we said be careful. Be careful selling high on Rashi Rice. Be careful trading Pacheco, thinking that he's going to get usurped by the NFL draft, that the the Chiefs front office is going to betray him. Be very careful. He's a young, explosive running back on the right team. The problem is Patrick Mahomes is just starved for weapons. It's Rashi Rice, and it's it's now a declining Travis Kelsey. He does not look like himself. He's only commanding five targets. He looks visibly sluggish in a way we have not seen him. He's usually so fluid. He does not look that way. Christian Watson also finally delivered. He was a raging bust. And then finally, once we reached week 10, he started to deliver. Okay, 14 fantasy points. Oh, okay, 20 fantasy points. 27 fantasy points. And then at that very moment, boom, pulls a hamstring. Pulls a hamstring. And I know there's going to be many in the comments saying, oh, this is it's Dontavian Wick season. It's Romeo Dobbs season. No, you all know what I'm going to say. It's Jaden Reed season. So just get ready for Jaden Reed season. Jaden Reed season is upon us. And with Patrick Mahomes, it's not his fault. But these years tick by. When you're throwing to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, when you're throwing to Richie James and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Sky Moore, Sky Moore is a raging bust. He's athletic. He was dominant in college. He seems to fit the profile of the modern slot flanker NFL player, you know, dynamic playmaker, can play short and command targets deep, and yet, no, it's not happening. So that was a surprise to me. The disappointment we're seeing from Sky Moore, I did not see that coming, right? So Sky Moore being the bust that he is, I did not see that coming a year ago, and I did not see Mike Evans having this kind of career resurgence a year ago. That's These are just two, two things. I love being surprised. Nothing nothing I like better than being surprised. I'm surprised by Jordan Love. I didn't see Jordan Love. This is the situation that you want for him, right? Hey, you're going into a game where you have to throw to for your team to be competitive, and it's going to be at home, and it's it, it's a good situation for Jordan Love. He had a bunch of great matchups, and then waiting for the next shoe to drop, suddenly you're looking up, and Jordan Love... 29 fantasy points. Jordan Love, like Will Levis, they are very similar players. In fact, they're closer in age, you might think, because Will Levis was an old senior. Jordan Love and Will Levis, similar players in that they were not efficient at the college level. They were notably erratic, and yet were first-round picks or almost first-round picks in Will Levis's case. They were drafted in they were drafted between pick 20 and 35 based primarily on arm strength. That was what Jordan Love was giving you. That's what Will Levis is giving you. And now you're looking up and like, these guys have secured starting jobs at least for a year, if not more. I would say Will Levis will be the starter next year for the entire year, and then it's a, and then we'll see. Jordan Love, they're not going to replace him in the draft next year. They're not going to bring in serious competition for him next year. So Jordan Love's going to be the starting quarterback in Green Bay in 2024 and 2025. This is the thing we all just need to get used to. He's officially not bad. He's not bad. And, I mean, after this week, I don't want to say it. Oh, this is, God, I just can't. I don't want to. Don't make me. He's good!
I don't want to say it. Oh, this is... Oh, God. I just can't. I don't want to. Don't make me. Ah, he's good. Touchdowns and targets. Touchdowns and targets. Touchdowns and targets. Rashad White. 33 times. To 10 takes a week doesn't make any sense. Depriving everyone of amazing takes. Dust, dust, dust. Don't do that. God damn it. Well, this was the best game on the schedule, right? Dome on Dome. I love Dome on Dome. Really? Oh, it might get better. They might upgrade to Taylor Heineke at some point in the season. Really? The last thing you're going to get from me is predicting cliff years. That's not going to happen. Okay? That's not, it's not. After the Mike Evans experience, no way. Right? Not happening. 10 fantasy points against Washington? But at what point is anyone going to hold Jalen Waddle accountable? I was like, ah, there's more than 10 takeaways. Why don't you call it top 25 takeaways? Why don't you call it top 36 takeaways? You can't keep it to 10. 